All right, welcome everybody to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzow. Janelle Fosquet is the co-chair, co-captain, producer, brains behind all this. She is down there. And today we have a very special guest. It's Chief Tim Sandelback, who um, Janelle and I have a very deep and good history with. Chief has, um, he's really done just about everything in the fire service from uh, writing and speaking and um, being uh, an editor of a major uh, publication. He's uh, been a chief before that. He, he went out of that sector. Now he's back into it. And um, he's also worked a lot with UL. And um, personally, he's been a great mentor and a great, great friend. And it is our pleasure to have you here. Chief, how are you? How you been? You look great, by the way. Well, well, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Janelle. Great to hook up with uh, both of you all and reconnect um, as I venture down a new path. So uh, very, very excited to be here. And I, I appreciate the invitation for sure. And I forgot to mention, you're now you're you're the Loveland Fire Rescue, uh, the chief of the Loveland Fire Rescue Authority in Colorado, correct? Correct. Northern Colorado. And you you previous you were in Savannah, Georgia, uh, North Las Vegas. King, uh, Kingman, Arizona, and then of course you, you served as a president of the International Society of Fire Service Instructors. You um, you were also again um, a, a, an editor in chief of a major publication in the fire service at Firehouse Magazine. You've been a speaker for at twenty almost twenty to a thirty time. years. A long time. <laughs> and um, and and you also gave me an opportunity to uh, really get into this seat um, by, I think it was in 2014, you gave me an opportunity to speak at uh, one of the conferences and um, we sat down and, and actually Chief Brunacini was there and I, I was in awe of that whole experience, but um, you gave me the confidence to ask questions and um, you know I, I don't think I'd be here today if it weren't for you. So first of all, I gotta say thank you for that. Or if people are listening, they're probably like, yeah, thanks a lot for that, Chief. Um, either way, I, I'm having all the fun. Um, but we had some, some, some great conversations back then. And, and I know Janelle feels the same way, that if it weren't for you, we probably wouldn't be in these spots. So I, I need to get that out right away. Yeah, thank you, Chief. Yeah, well, Janelle, I, I know you would feel 25 years younger um, if I didn't create this stress uh, throughout the time that we had. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the We're going to keep it positive today, Tim. We're All keeping right. it positive. So, <laughs> I'm just trying to be truthful. I know I create a lot of stress for people, but again, I appreciate the invite here. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's speaking of stress, like Janelle, you've worked with, with Chief for how long? <laughs> I like how you entered that. Speaking of stress, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, Tim, well, we go way, well. we go way back because, uh, yeah, I was working as an editor at Fire Rescue Magazine, and then Tim came on as our uh, editor in chief. And gosh, what was that? 2008, I believe. Um, yeah. And that was actually, oddly enough, my first connection with Fire Rescue One as well, because for a time they were our media partner while I was there. And yeah, Tim and I worked together for a long time. And then he uh, so kindly asked me to come work with him at another fire service publication where we worked together for many more years. Um, I mean, we have been through a lot together. I mean, you've been my boss. 
uh, mentor. You've been my work husband. Are we even allowed to say that anymore? Has that term <laughs> been canceled? Um, lots of conferences, lots of collaborations. You were even at my wedding. Um, it's all a blur, of course. I was dancing a lot, so I don't think we talked much that night, but it was a good time. So, yeah, we go way back, and uh, I appreciate all the guidance and mentorship over the years. It, and, you know, I remember, Chief, too, you you didn't sleep a lot. You, you talked to just about everybody when you were, um, you know, heading, you know, one of the major publications of the fire service. And, you know, I always want to know what, what was that like? Like when you would sit down at the end of the night, what would you, were you excited? Were you frustrated? Were you, you know, um, tired? I know that, but you would never admit it. You know, what was that like running that whole thing? You know, Aaron, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, I'm oftentimes asked, would, would I retrace my steps uh, throughout the course of my career? Because my career is very non-traditional. Um, I did come up through the ranks, but through multiple organizations. And I also tell the story that my parents never thought I'd graduate high school. So here, all of a sudden, Janelle and the team at Fire Rescue at the time um, call me and say, will you be an editor of our magazine? And I'm like, man, I don't even know what that means. But I eventually learned that it became basically a library card uh, without expiration. You know, you were you were just basically basting in all the knowledge of everybody sending you those articles. And I really thrived on it. I think it made me um, better prepared, better educated about what was going on in the fire service. So absent the deadlines that Janelle would put on me that I never met <laughs> to this day, I, I never met those deadlines and I, I apologize for that. But yeah, it was. Um, there was an adrenaline rush that, you know, I won't say it's the adrenaline rush that you get as being a firefighter, but to have that knowledge and to have that intel that people were coming to you asking you questions, I wasn't the smart one. I was just the one that was being exposed to that information. And I share that all the time. I'm not smarter than anybody. I've just basically been connected for an extended period of time. So to answer your question, yeah, I, I thrived on it. Um, it did. It carried me from one day to the next. And it was an honor to do it. Um, it's just long term. I just didn't see it the future uh, for me. I, I had something different that I wanted to contribute. So, Well, I'm sure it's hard to go from the uh, excitement of the fire service living a day to day to more a business world and a media world, uh, which is a totally different animal. And was it always calling you to come back? You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, at some point I did think, you know, that's where I would conclude my career. And you know, I don't want, I don't want to talk negative about anything, but I think that corporate side of it, it it's a different world. It's a different world than the public sector. And, and I think anybody who has experienced that understands that. Um, and I love the competitive nature of it. I mean, that's what I thrive on. And I think that's one of the things that kind of motivated me to that. But at the same time, I also cherish the opportunity to take care of the people that are around me. And you're not able to do that when you're in that corporate world. It's red and black and that's it. Um, it it's kind of non-personal. And again, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, um, but the fire service is so much more personal. And um, I, I think that's what I cherish. And I appreciate the opportunity to come back because I, I truly didn't think I could come full circle. So. 
Yeah, very few have, um, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But I, you know, I wanted to go back and some of the conversations you had back. I want to say it was almost ten years ago. Now you talked about leadership. You brought forth, I think, a lot on the health and wellness side. You know, um, again, you took a chance on me, and I remember being one of the first presenters in a conference just on health and wellness. And now there's 20, 30, 40 in actual conferences on that. But you saw leadership, you saw health and wellness, you saw cancer. You know, how do you, when you look back, like you you had all these articles and you you were looking at that data firsthand. I mean, you nailed it right on. You know, do you think that looking back, would you have done anything different now knowing that you were really right, Chief, on all those things? No, that part I, I don't think... Um, I, I would change. And, and I say this from this perspective, not an arrogant that I got it right. I don't know that we got it right. The point was, is I was looking at my career and my upbringing. And the reason I got into training is because the way people trained me, um, I wanted to improve that. I didn't feel like, um, again, not, not frowning upon my mentors and, and people that engaged early on in my career, but I thought we could raise the bar. And I looked at it as some of the challenges within the fire service. Uh, fitness is a huge challenge. And, and I'll tell you what, what really irked me is the entry um, was very defined and very regimented and very difficult. There was a standard. But once you got in the system, the standard suddenly went away. Unless you were promoted, there wasn't another challenge. And as a type A personality and a competitor, um, that drives me crazy. I always want to be challenged. And I think the fire service um, or the customer deserves us to be challenged. So we're at the peak of our game every single time. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I think, you know, we as, that's service. That's service 101, like continuing and holding your members accountable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about that. So now you're back in the chief's spot um, and making that transition from seeing those things now being a chief. Kind of what was what was the transition like, number one? And then what was your first priority when you finally, um, you know, let's say in Loveland? Because I know you've had a couple of, um, you know, other departments that you really work with, but Loveland's kind of where you, you are now and, and developing. Like, you know, what was that like? What was that transition like? And then, you know, where, where was your focus? And is it still at that same spot? Well, to be clear, I had two interim positions prior to Loveland that, to me, really set the stage well, because I could go in there as a first-time chief and try some things and grab some low-hanging fruit and kind of reap the rewards of that in those interim positions for six months and then kind of move on down the road. Uh, But my first priority was, as every chief I think should be, is number one, take care of your people. Um, And, you know, I I went in the door and I spoke very uh, poignantly to the point that I was here to take care of our people. I was going to assess the organization of which I was well uh, informed about because I had spent some time here. I had spoke here multiple times, engaged with a number of the chief officers here, and I knew very definitively that there was a firm foundation in this organization. They were looking to build upon the foundation as opposed to some of the previous places I worked. It was about the the foundation was crumbling and they needed that to be um, Mm kind of reinforced. That's not the case here. So knowing that, I knew I could go in, concentrate on our people, address their critical needs, okay, and then starting a, start evaluating the organization as a whole, operationally, professionally, and the forward progress that was necessary and available. 
So I, I guess that was my approach and that was kind of my badge pinning speech is I'm here to take care of our people and build this organization out upon the foundations of success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can where we, you were, oh, I was going to say real quick, can we talk about that badge pinning for a moment? Yeah. Um, I think sure. that was a pretty special day for you. And I see the hat over one shoulder and we call that a helmet, you know, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> You just you just Busted. lost some street cred, Janelle. Come on, Busted. get it back. Sorry, yeah. helmet, yeah. the helmet. For Twelve years, I drug her along trying to teach her that. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. looking at Aaron's hat. That's I'll blame it on that. Yeah, yeah. So your uh, your pinning ceremony. Now that's not your helmet behind you there, correct? No, that that helmet, and it's the only helmet in my office. It's my dad's helmet. Uh, that helmet made the Beverly Hills Supper Club fire. Uh, my dad wore that. May 28, 1977, uh, Southgate, Kentucky, Kentucky, one mile away from my house. Uh, I watched it as an eight-year-old uh, kid from my back porch with my mother. And there was a small black and white TV on our porch. We were watching the newscast live. The newscaster was Nick Clooney, George Clooney's dad. Oh um, so I watched it live over top of the TV and literally watched the newscast um, on a little black and white TV. And I'm not kidding you. The TV screen was that big. And this is how you change the channels. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then you didn't move cause you didn't want to mess up the antenna. Right. Don't, right. Don't. right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's the helmet. And, uh, then the article is, uh, you know, what I boasted about, it took me 35 years to get here, but I, I finally made it. And, uh, my dad never, never pinned a badge on me in all the places that I worked. I wanted to save it for, you know, what I hope to be the, the final opportunity. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Story. I never, I, yeah. I didn't know that about, you know, that your dad was in that, that fire, you know, that's one of the, I mean, that's one that we all study, right? Yeah. I mean, that's one that you always read about. So, um, pretty interesting. So, you know, talking about family too, now that you're, you're kind of in one spot, you're not traveling as much. How is, um, you know, how have, has your priority kind of changed a little bit now? For for um, a lot of people probably don't know this about you. How many Ironmans have you done and completed? Um, more than one. Okay. Oh come Is on. It 10? I've done Is it sixteen. 10? I've done sixteen. Sixteen Ironmans. Yep. Yep. And oh my gosh, how many miles is that? That's uh, a lot. Of, that's complicated so, math right there. Yeah. One. Yeah. One forty-six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time carry the one. It's a lot. Looking at Wisconsin again, so. Are you? Oh, yeah. We had a good time, yeah. I, uh, for those that are, are listening, so so Chief was running a major publication in the fire service and training for Kona and training for Ironman at the same time. He is also organizing two or three different conferences, speaking, traveling, and um, he was an Energizer Bunny. You know, um, Janelle and I would always obviously – chuckle behind we're like i don't know how he's standing right now but he's going he's going he's going you know and now to see that you're back and you're establishing and 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 using all those different things that you learned you know to stay put was that tough like do you feel like um you know it's five o'clock or five thirty you're like well what do i do now oh I, don't count me out um I, i'm not counting you out no no i'm just saying comparatively. I, don't if, I don't know if you're tracking here but loveland colorado uh, sits next to the um, triathlon capital of the United States, Boulder, Colorado. Um, there's a reason I'm here. 
Yeah, I was so, just going to say, there is a coincidence. Certainly. There, yeah. Forget the people, forget the department. It's all about Iron Man. It, it's certainly this organization is why I'm here. Um, but, you know, that's that's where I just start thinking, you know, things align for a reason. And I never, you know, none of us ever believe it, you know, when you're going for the through those low times in your career. But, you know, ultimately, 35 years later, um, never knowing if I would retrace those steps, I'm here. And those things, my personal life and now my professional life, um, have really found a home, uh, whereas they were always somewhat uh, divided, um, not, not in a bad way, just because it happened. But I do think um, this is an opportunity to realign those. And as I said, I'm not done. You know, 16 is a number, but it's not the biggest number I'm going for. So what's it, you know, what is your vision for not only department, but for you personally, like where else do you want to go now? Well, I, I, I want to make a difference. I do. Uh, my preference is to make this my, my final stop and make sure that I leave it better than I found it. And I know that's kind of cliche, but um, I, I definitely want to build that first, second floor and potentially put the roof on this organization. I, I've landed in a place that I, I think is a, an incredible gem. Uh, not only is this organization the people, uh, some of the best people I've ever worked with, mindset-wise, um, acceptant to change, um, it's unique. But coupled with that is all the surrounding agencies are representative of young chiefs, of which I know and are good friends with. Um, it affords us an opportunity not only to do something at a local level within our respective organizations, but more at a regional level without a, a competition or, hey, you're taking mine or um, anything like that. So, you know, we're part of the Front Range Fire Consortium. Uh, we do joint recruit academies, which we host here in Loveland. I'm very proud of that. Um, but we just, we secured an AFG grant, uh, an over $900,000 AFG grant for 1582 compliant physicals, behavioral health assessments, uh, cancer screenings, and we're building a health and wellness center uh, at our training center through an appropriation from the federal government. So, wow. I, and that's all based on collaboration and equal mindset, not, not solely from me, but surrounding partners. I think there's wow. another episode right there of, of breaking that down a little bit. Cause I know a lot of departments, I know my ears just perked up and said, how do we do that? Right. Um, and, um, yeah, I want to know more about the health and wellness center. Is that what you called it? The health and wellness yeah. or health and safety? Yeah. So let me, let me say this and, and Janelle, I, I don't know how, how you'll take this based on our relationship. Um, but what I've realized, you know, I've always known this, but you know, we're all operation centric. We love that or we're training or whatever. This position's about politics. This is about relationships. Yeah. And, I, I think that's what the magazines did for me is they prepared me with all the conversation pieces, not just being uh, specific about one organization, but understanding nationally what's going on and how to convey that in common terms to your elected officials and all the department heads that you, you work with. Um, this is about relationships. So you talk about the Health, health and Wellness Center. Um, Congressman Goose is the one that got us that appropriation. And that was about relationships that I had created with the mayor and some of the other folks um, here locally um, to make that connection and say, this is a need. And one of his big um, items that he's really uh, fighting for is behavioral health um, 
treatment and care for our community. So to tie that into the fire service, it was it was a no brainer. So, mm. yeah, so they're going to do that appropriation for us. We'll convert one of our office buildings into a health and wellness center. Uh, we'll bring in a contractor. We'll do 1582 compliant physicals, not only for us, but all of our surrounding agencies will be afforded the opportunity to come there. Oh, so they can come great. in and bring the people. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, and I know you, you, uh, and that's one thing, like I, 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 you allotted me the opportunity to be a fly in the room a lot of times when you're having these discussions. And I know you, you would turn around and you'd kind of smile at me a little bit. You're like, sometimes you just got to listen. I know I got to listen to this, this person. I may not agree with what they're saying, but I'm, I'm working towards that relationship. I, they're going to listen to me hopefully, cause I'm listening to them and I'm going to go talk to this particular um, agency or, or, you know, person. And, and yeah, I, I saw that, you know, uh, I'd see how you'd have to work a room, you know, I'd always bring you water or sometimes a cocktail or two just to calm you down a little bit, but, but you're right. Like, do you think that's the one thing a lot of chiefs don't understand and, well, and are surprised at when they get into that position? Yeah. It, I, I think twofold. Let me, let me back up on this. I, I think the important point that I would share is it's something firefighters don't understand. You know, for, for years, certainly Janelle and I, we, we read it all the time. You know, firefighters that are out there that are busting on elected officials and think that that's going to win the game, um, they're missing the boat. I, I say it all the time, and I, I say this in presentations, and I'm certain the two of you have heard me in presentations. Um, the day you join the fire service at birth, in, in reality, is you're a politician. And everybody says, oh, no, I'm not a politician because they think of the negative context um, at federal levels and so forth. Some of the current politics um, that are being displayed on local networks. Now, the reality is, is politics is all about communications, influencing a following and relationships. What's wrong with those three things? So you're communicating your message, you're influencing a following and, and you're, you're working relationships to get that 51 percent to ultimately win the game. There's nothing negative about that. But what we do is we bring up generations of firefighters with a negative connotation of politics. And that is so wrong as a public servant. You, you got to understand the importance that they make the decisions and it's based on the information that you share with them. So from a fire chief's perspective, if you think and I hope nobody takes this out of context, but if your track is nothing but operational centric, that's all you're focused on. I think you're selling yourself short in your development process and preparation for the fire chief position. You got to be well-rounded. You got to be well-spoken and you got to be well-informed. And you don't do that by basically just centering on wet stuff on the red stuff and glowing lights. That's yeah. not what this is solely about. No. Especially now. I mean, now we're more EMS based. Um, you know, with social media also, right? Like you described what social media is right there too, you know, uh, and we have to learn to utilize those as tools. Um, and I, and, you know, and, and as you're speaking, I, you know, the question I also have, would you, would you consider yourself as old school leader or, or new school leader? You know, I, I think that's such a ridiculous term, old school. You know, what, what that is, is I, I, I <laughs> I shouldn't have said ridiculous. I, I get it. I get it. I'm setting you up. I know what gets you going, no, so it, I, I kind of set like, you up. Sorry. It's like the blue collar. 
you know what? I'm Tim Sundelback. I got my my attitudes. I got my drivers. I, I got my motivators. We're all that way. We we latch on to things because there's a social circle that basically speaks in that language, that old school language or the blue collar talk. You know what? I'm a public servant. I do my best to remain humble uh, in, in what I do. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. Um, I do. Um, I do appreciate people in that blue, blue collar, the people that like to get their, their knuckles beat up a little bit and do hard work. I subscribe to that 100%. The same thing with the old school mentality. I think there are some, some regimented things within this profession that are old school that absolutely have created our success. But there are also some of those old school mentalities and beliefs that have set us back or held us back mm -hmm. to critical changes that are necessary. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I I agree. And I see that so much in so many of the articles that we get in the submissions is trying to explain exactly what you just said in a relatable way so people can see it, how it plays out practically at the department level, you know, at the chief's level, company officer level, firefighter level. Um, but I I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, there's a lot of good in those traditions and the old school ways that have set us up for success. And now we've got to also think about what we should be implementing to make it better. Yeah, and this will sound weird, but it's like a spice rack. I, I think you take some of that blue collar, you take some of that old school and you, you mix it together. It's that combination that really makes it um, what we need. It's not that you know, do it for a social circle or a following, which we all get spun up with, with social media, social media, how many likes we get because we're affiliated with this group or whatever. That's unfortunate. I get it, but it's unfortunate. We're better than that. Yeah. And, and chief, you've always been passionate about leadership. And I, and I, I've listened to you speak many times and, and obviously that's kind of why I had that question. Cause I know you get fired up about it and, but you have, you have, you, you obviously understand because you've, you've seen this for so long and you've, you've experienced so many different things. So like, what is leadership still driving you or what, where are you kind of moving your priorities to, or, or I guess, you know, like for you, what, what gets you up? What, where do you want to become better? You know, where, what are you trying to improve on personally? You know, it is leadership because I'm in that position now that I, I'm applying the hundred plus pages that we edited for years, okay? Everything that I learned during that editing process and everything that I advocated for, you know, it's one thing to advocate it in print or to be on a speaking circuit or whatever. It's another thing to basically be in this position and have to deliver. And, mm -hmm. and we hear that all the time. And I, I was actually uh, working on a presentation in, in the, um, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt in his uh, Man in the Arena. I think. It, I don't have that exactly correct, but it's about being in the arena, um, you know, the critic and, and so forth. My, my point is, is now I'm in a position to apply what I put on paper, what I felt was right at the time, I'm applying it now. And I think, you know, over the course of the continuance of my career, I, I hope that it can continue to apply those lessons Then there are going to be bumps along the way. But what I, I get satisfaction is, is what I wrote then, when I apply it and it works, it's it's just further reassuring that, you know what, I, I was on the right track. 
So there are some of those exploratory things where I voiced my opinion and maybe I didn't have the depths of experience that, you know, a 30, 40 year chief might have, but now I'm applying it and I'm tweaking it to kind of be my methodology, I guess, or application. But when you look at the fire service right now, where do you see the biggest room for improvement? You know, I, I said this, I, I was honored to, um, since COVID, I, ha I haven't done a lot of uh, speaking. A lot of folks have kind of set back a little bit, but uh, I had promised uh, the volunteer chief officers uh, uh, group of the IAFC, VCOS, uh, mm -hmm. I had offered to uh, do a presentation for them pre-COVID. Um, so they had uh, asked me to do the closing keynote at the symposium in the sun in November of last year. So I came back and did it. And, uh, you know, it, it was nice, first of all, to be doing that. But um, what I asked that group is to go home and get uncomfortable. Um, I, I, I see us all sitting in, in a conference room and we listen and we, we feel like, oh, we're all energized. And that's all crap. <laughs> and, and you do something and we've heard people say do something about it but when i challenge them and it's it's the david goggins it's all the navy seal talk and everything else it's you you know no pain no gain mentality it's the same thing cognitively physically mentally all aspects we got to be uncomfortable and some of that when it comes to leadership is taking on that challenge directly and you know it's going to be a rocky road You've yeah. prepared yourself, you've done your homework, but be uncomfortable. Quit basically being passive and pushing it aside and saying, hey, I'm just gonna ride this one out. That's not leadership. Leadership's going against the grain, pushing hard until you meet that resistance, okay? And then you push a little bit more at a level that they can absorb. And that's mm -hmm. what I would ask the fire service. And I, I told a recruit class, uh, our most recent recruit class, I told them in an audience of hundreds, I said, make me your fire chief, make me uncomfortable. Now that's a hell of a statement to start a career off on. But if yeah, I can, you got to hold your breath with that one and you're like, yeah, but if I can but, open their minds to say it's okay to make the fire chief uncomfortable now in the right form and fashion, obviously, but that's what it's about. Every one yeah. of us needs to feel uncomfortable. Ask those questions, right? Yes. Look, look at things differently and ask those questions. Yes. Um, and I, I love that that's come up as a theme on so many of our shows too. Oh it's yeah. like, you got to push yourself. You've got to get in that uncomfortable space. If you're going to make a difference either personally or in some cases professionally as well, we, we definitely have gotten that a lot. And, you know, just circling back real quick on the, the speaking circuit um, point you made, I, you're speaking in March coming up soon, right? With the, uh, health and safety seminar. Let's see here. Um, oh, uh, speaking on, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, speaking on sleep. Now <clears throat> I'm going <laughs> to throw we're, a red we're, flag we're, here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh Oh, please. Uh, for those just listening, Tim is now grabbing a book. Uh, why we sleep, why we sleep. All right. Okay. Uh, did you have to read that book first in order to prepare for uh, the presentation. So Sarah Junkie is the guilty party. Um, I thought Sarah was gonna tackle me 
Um, and I think she has been a guest, right? Yeah, she was so, great. Yeah, one of our, our second one. Great. Yeah, yep. Sarah and I are good friends. Um, I was in Arizona, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I thought she was going to tackle me to say, you've got to read this book. So she goes and grabs it. And anyway, I immediately order it, and um, I read it. And number one, I, I, I use it all the time to tell people, I dare you. It, it's my classic line is, I dare you to read this book. Well, when you dare a firefighter, challenge them. Yep. Yeah, there you go. They're going to go read it. Okay. And I tell them, I forewarn them, there's no pictures in this book. Um, so that's the challenge. You literally are going to have to read this book. Now, the problem with that book is it scares the hell out of you because it literally walks you through every aspect of the fire service that we're facing as far as health and wellness behavioral health issues, suicide issues, cardiovascular issues, obesity, all of this is listed in here. And it's all, you got to reset the mind. Now, Janelle, I know you, you, you laugh and Aaron, you too. I was never a big advocate for sleep and I do my best. I can't say I'm religious about eight hours. Very seldom do I get eight hours, but I can tell you one thing that this book has done is put it in my mind, the importance of resetting the deck mentally in preparation for me um, the next day. Mm -hmm. So while I may not get the eight hours, I'm getting more than I had previously prioritized. Absolutely. And let me just say, for the record, I was so thrilled when I saw your name in that lineup because I was thinking he's reformed. Oh, my gosh. Because when we worked together, you slept like two hours a night. Maybe not but four I hours of, i think all of that's an exaggeration so mm. it was all about making sure i was in front of the other time zone living on the the pacific uh time zone trying to keep up with east coast time zone so all right well i won't use numbers but we'll say sleep wasn't exactly the strong suit here but you were i mean you did everything you had your hands and everything um and so I'm just, I'm so happy to hear that because we've been talking a lot about sleep lately on the show and in articles we've been um, publishing how it's really just so foundational. So I'm, I'm happy that you're speaking on that and we'll include something in the show notes too for people if they want to register for that event. And uh, I just bought about the, sleep. I just bought the book. <laughs> I, I had a chief when I said that. Uh, he said, "Yeah, I bought the book, but I fell asleep reading it." Uh, well, hey, so, that's part of it, right? Maybe that's what the book I, is I, used for. I promise you, you will not fall asleep reading this book. It, it's a riveting book, and uh, uh, Doctor Walker should—I I should take out stock in it because I've sold a lot of books for him. But uh, well, we worth should it. we should have him on the show, Janelle, because I—you know what—it has—it has come up. Um, along with, you know, obviously the leadership, health and wellness, sleep is, is big, cancer is also big. And, um, you know, and the biggest challenge we have with the fire service is trying to figure out how we can integrate that in. Cause a lot of us go eight hours. Yeah. Good luck. But as you said, chief, it's not necessarily, if you can't get eight hours, how can you get better at it? Like how can you start to incorporate some tools? And so, um, yeah, we both saw that you were doing that and we had to ask and we're glad it, it was exactly how we imagined you would respond and, and, um, which, we're very we're 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 grateful, and uh, we know that you'll do a, a good job with that. And obviously, you just got us to read another book. So, um, um, but but with that, now we're gonna we're gonna lighten it up a little bit. So we got five questions for you, Chief, um, and they're good ones today. You ready? I don't have a favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're a little more deep than that, I think. Okay. Right? Do you know you so. want to start it off? 
Uh, sure. Uh, Tim, I want to know what the first thing was that crossed your mind when you completed your first Ironman. Oh, um, I, I mean, it, there was the adrenaline rush is overwhelming because it is a long day. Um, I, I don't know what was literally on my mind. I mean, I was proud of myself. You know, when you set that goal and 17 hours or less, you cross that finish line. And it was well less than 17 hours, mind you. Um, for some, it was. For others, I, hey, I, yeah. I, I got the medal. No, no. I, I, I just think it was just I was very proud of myself, not in an arrogant way. But, you know, when you set that um, expectation for yourself and to think that you can achieve that was pretty proud. So. And more and we to come proud on that. that. Yeah, we yeah, I got to watch you here in Madison and uh, you look like a rock star that the day I saw you. So more to come on that, right? That's not a chapter yep. that's completed. Um, so here's a question we talked about before the show, but I think everyone needs to hear your response. What's the first thing that came to mind when you heard Janelle and Aaron had a podcast? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think that's a fair question. <laughs> hours on that one myself no it's, it's, I'm, I'm it's, proud of, i'm proud of both of you you're continuing to get the message out um you're doing it with energy and passion and i think that's important so well we had a good leader so we appreciate that you did Absolutely. say you needed a drink <laughs> yeah, yeah. that i my bad that was the first thought so, yeah that was the first thought the more politically correct thought was uh i'm proud of this how's that Appreciate that. All right, Aaron, you're up again. Oh, you want to save yours? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we, uh, yeah, there you got a good one. Janelle's got a really good one. So, uh, you know, I we may may have talked about this one. What's your proudest moment? Oh, I'd, I'd say that. Um, most certainly. Um, I, when I think, you know, I, I got into this, uh, again, I go back to it. I'm not... I'm not exaggerating or telling tales. My parents didn't think I'd graduate high school. Um, and, you know, I went to college. I got multiple degrees. And 35 years later, uh, I'm a fire chief. Um, yeah, it's a pretty proud moment. But I can tell you, you know, when, when my dad pinned that, it, when I see his hands shaking uh, out of excitement and then the gleam in his eyes, I mean, you don't get an opportunity like that too many times. That was a pretty proud moment for sure. That's oh, awesome. And for those you. who are just listening and not watching the video version, uh, Tim was pointing to a, a uh, newspaper article on his wall, and we'll include that in the show notes too, because that's a pretty great photo. Thank you. Thank awesome. you. All right. Um, bring it home here. I would like to know uh, what advice mini Tim would give larger Tim. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, gosh, I still get grief about that. Yep. So Mini Tim, for those of you who have not seen Mini Tim before, and I apologize, I realize that this is uh most of people will be listening to this and not <laughs> watching, but we literally have a cardboard cutout of Tim. Um, and this goes back to the Fire Rescue Magazine days um, when we would go to conferences and everyone and their mother would be looking for Tim at the booth. Everyone would come by looking to talk to Tim and we just would joke and say, we need a cardboard cut out of Tim, you know, 
like just at the booth. But you know, my editor budget, I can't afford. Those things are expensive. <laughs> so I got the mini version. <laughs> and then great stash, by the them. way. And the mini, ver mini oh, version, mini yeah, version has. This is the this is the Tim Senovac, uh stash version. Um, yes. But yeah, so Mini Tim became a, a great friend of ours, and he would be um, up in the office at Fire Rescue Magazine. I don't have him up anymore because it's a little creepy when you work from home now, right? I can't have Mini Tim yeah, just watching yes. me work. So uh, I did go rooting through a box in my garage to find Mini Tim and, and bring him out just for this moment. Yeah. So first of all, uh, it's creepy in general. <laughs> um, the fact that you had to search through your garage, that's not true. Um, I don't know your shelf, I'm sure, but what would, what would, what was the, the direction? What would Mini Tim say to, or vice versa? Yes. Uh, what would Mini Tim like to tell, um, tell you now um, from those years of uh, being at conferences and being in that world to yeah. where you are now as a fire chief? It's a great question. I don't know about all that lead up to it, um, but let's just take it from this uh, perspective. And I would say this to um, the youngest firefighter to the most senior chiefs. Uh, every vehicle has two pedals. One's an accelerator and one's the brake. Uh, learn when to hit the accelerator and learn when to tap the brakes. You may not have to forcefully hit the brakes because that basically means progress stops uh, forward progress stops. But I think there are, are times, um, and, and I'll speak of my career, you know, there there were some down times in my career. And I think oftentimes it was my, um, I won't say immaturity, but I, I think my passion was, you know, it's full throttle, full throttle every single day, every single minute. And at times there's an appropriate tap on the brakes, maybe a, a swerve to get around something and then reaccelerate. And I think we all need to learn that over the course of time as we progress through the ranks every rank it may take a little bit longer tap on the brakes and a little bit less accelerator um, but never forget the importance of that accelerator because if you're not hitting that you're abiding by the status quo and this profession can't afford the status quo that's perfect that uh, that takes up our, our last question too about you know what would, what advice would you give people entering the fire service and I, and I like that analogy you know I go back to Forrest Gump you know mom used to always tell me things that I you know could relate to and it really that that makes a lot of sense as I joke as I joke about it but um, I you know I'm in a new role myself and as as you were saying that I I, I pictured exactly what you know some situations for both when you need to hit the accelerator and when you hit the, need to hit the brake. And um, we can't thank you enough for just, um, you know, your leadership and mentorship and being on the show, number one. And it's great to see you healthy and smiling and, and happy. And uh, we, um, you know, I, I don't want to speak for Janelle, but I know I, I look forward to seeing you at, at, at a conference fairly soon here. Um, you know, I like Colorado. So if you ever need someone to come out and, you know, just it's, uh, hang out a little bit, you know, let me know. Not as much snow as Wisconsin, but uh, it is definitely uh, God's country for sure. Well, thanks so much, Chief. Janelle, you got anything else for Chief? Uh, and uh, Or does little Tim have anything else for Big Tim? <laughs> uh, just thank you for, uh, for your leadership over the years. Um, we had such a good time working together. And I, as always, I hope we get more opportunities to collaborate. No, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And again, I commend both of you. 
uh, for continuing to uh, broadcast the message and uh, get those folks out there to uh, make sure their voices are heard. So thank you much for that. All right, Chief. Thanks. I, I hope we can have you back again. I hope you had some fun. Um, for all those that are listening, um, thank you for listening. You can email us at bettereveryshift at firerescue1.com. Please rate, review, whether you think um, you, know, you liked it or you didn't like it, a uh, quote that you really liked. Please share it um, to, to your crew members and, and friends and family. And um, most importantly, make sure that you learn something. As Chief said, you know, learn when to hit the accelerator, learn when to tap the brake, do something, share something, but try to always make those around you, including yourself, better every shift.